I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. Where do you think is the most dangerous border in the world? Russia, Ukraine, North South Korea? Not according to a recent special report from the UN. Apparently, the US-Mexico border is the most dangerous border in the world. Todd Benzman, a journalist, author and senior national security fellow at the US Center for Immigration Studies, has been reporting on the ground for years along the US-Mexico border. In his new book, he provides a full account of what he argues is the worst mass immigration border crisis the United States has ever experienced. The book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History, is out now. Todd Benzman joins me now from Cleveland in the U.S. border state, Texas. Thank you so much, Todd, Thank for uh, coming on. I mean, I have to start with the fact that uh, what, what is the scale of the immigration crisis? Because normally, I mean, we talk about the fact that Chinese population fell by 880,000 in 2022. Uh, there's a shrinking population uh, scare in the United States. But your book seems to talk about the fact you need fewer immigrants, not more. I mean, surely the point is you need more immigrants, right? Well, it depends on uh, what your perspective is. Uh, there are people who believe that, you know, laws, immigration laws ought to be followed. Uh, and the U.S. is probably one of the only countries in the world where there are sizable, you know, populations of uh, U.S. citizens that believe otherwise, that maybe we should just ignore the uh, INA, the Immigration and Nationality Act, uh, and all of the laws that are... I mean, we go out globally, Todd. So, I mean, no one thinks... Amer I mean, you say in the book, America should only be a nation of legal immigrants, that your uh, nine-year-old uh, homeland security intelligence career informs your views, which start with an abiding belief that America occupies the moral high ground as a nation of law. I mean, no one around the world thinks the United States uh, is about law. So if we, I mean, that's not serious, is it? Well, I mean, I think there are a lot of people in the United States that believe that the INA ought to be followed. The INA is a uh, uh, set of laws that are very specific, says that thou shalt, uh, you must, it's not may, uh, detain and deport anybody who crosses illegally without permission. Uh, in this country, we have allowed uh, at least 5.5 million people in over that southern border in about 24 months. Uh, this is absolutely unheard of. Nothing like this has ever happened in American history. Uh, and to give you some kind of an idea of scale, going back to your original question, which is that uh, maybe we might have had uh, 400,000 300,000 a year for, you know, the most recent 10 years leading up to, uh, to, to the Biden administration. And now we're looking at, you know, two and a half million uh, crossing that border or attempting to cross that border in a single year. Uh, so the scope and the scale is absolutely beyond anything in, in the U.S. experience. And I think that that alone qualifies it as a historic event and certainly justifying a full book. Sure, no, absolutely. But I mean, I don't understand how, I mean, even two million is not gonna be enough. At the moment, the United States faces falling life expectancy since 2019, lower birth rates, a fertility rate of 3.6 in 1960 is below replacement level years ago, it's now at 1.6. Uh, by 2034, the US is estimated to have more people over 65 than people under 18. You desperately need young people. So these illegal immigrants, they have children, presumably. 
they all work. I mean, I lived in L.A. for a while. There were plenty of people from across the border. I'm sure some of them were illegal. Um, you, you desperately need these people to come across the border. Otherwise, the United States is going to suffer, isn't it? Economically. Oh, yeah. I understand what you're saying. I mean, that is an argument. Uh, that is a policy argument for uh, legal immigration. That argument... Well, there's always been place. illegal immigration. That's why they had all that stuff about uh, trying to get the papers for the uh, parents of, uh, of children that had good jobs. I mean, 40% of the 500 largest U.S. companies were founded by immigrants or their children. Of course, some of these are the children of great-grandparents who came over illegally. That's... Since the yeah, Me right. Mexican we, we, Civil War, we have always had we always have had some illegal immigration for sure, but illegal immigration is not the solution to the issues that you're raising. That's an issue for legal immigration, uh, which, which we in the United States allow for about a million a year to come in. I mean, that's a legitimate policy debate. You could like raise the have Congress raise the rate. Uh, you could have Congress lower the rate. You could have an administration uh, seek to... So uh, bureaucratic, isn't it? I mean, I'm not obviously speaking up for the uh, cartels that you describe in the book and the uh, horrific uh, crime-linked uh, gangs that uh, help families to go across. You've been on that border. I'm not speaking up for them. Uh, but uh, your version, the bureaucratizing of uh, legal immigration, that's really expensive to the U.S. taxpayer. Come on. Well, I think that there's a there there is often a conflation, an inappropriate conflation of legal immigration and, and illegal immigration as though it's one and the same. It is not in any country in the world, not only uh, existing countries, but all countries down to ancient times. Uh, Boy, the is, USA uh, is founded on illegal immigration, isn't it, by definition? Your country is founded on illegal immigration. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, what? Ellis Island was... No, Ellis the Native Island. Americans. Clearly, the you said ancient times. Obviously, just speak to any Native American in any of the so-called reservations. They'll tell you the modern USA is founded on illegal immigration. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go back to pre-nationhood, pre uh, you could talk about that. I think the Comanches would beg to differ. They fought tooth and nail against Mexican uh, illegal immigration incursion, armed incursions, the conquistadors and all that. We could go around about that if you want. But as a matter of uh, modern nation state, um, all nation states seek to uh, control their, their borders uh, with laws and with uh, armed guards. It's a guarded perimeter. It always has been. Uh, illegal immigration is something that as far as I know, no nation on earth uh, countenances. They try to uh, counter it and, and stop it and block it and deter it as much as possible. Uh, and I think that, that, that to the question of you know, low birth rates and uh, labor markets and that sort of thing, again, the place for that discussion is in the Congress and to amend the laws, if we want to amend the laws. But we have laws on the books right now uh, that would uh, block, stop, deter uh, with detention and deportation like every other country 
on the planet. Yeah, but much. it's in the interest, isn't it, of American elites as the economy flounders in that Midwestern area, which Trump so eloquently spoke about and voted for him, the, the destroyed manufacturing base of the United States. It's in the interest of elites to, uh, to alienize the other. It's race baiting and this kind of thing has been used forever. So in Congress, they're never going to get legislation to say, look, the United States desperately needs immigrants, otherwise it'll turn out like West Virginia, uh, where I think this, uh, I mean, I, the population's I, I, I falling. I don't disagree. Yeah, I don't disagree that there are uh, business elites and corporate elites that love the idea of having uh, cheap uh, labor coming in illegally over the border, but it just doesn't um, justify uh, whatever, whatever uh, economic interest or political interest is served by mass illegal immigration of the greatest numbers we've ever seen in the history of the United States to flout congressional will and mandates. Uh, we have laws. In your book, you talk about the countries where the immigrants uh, come from. And, uh, and I should say, you do say in the book, to a limited point I empathize with these immigrants as somewhat similar to the p determined peoples who hit the wilderness trails during the California gold rush in the 1950s, although arguably not as much gold uh, in California as, as there was in the 1850s. Why do you think conditions uh, are such that people would want to leave Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Haiti, uh, risk their families' lives coming over and uh, trying their luck in the U.S.? Well, because the United States has probably the most powerful economy in the world. Uh, I, I talk about, uh, you know, my interviews with many thousands of immigrants. I know their stories maybe better than anybody else. I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, but so, you know, nobody wants to live in Haiti. Uh, but by the same token, uh, the vast majority of Haitians who have been crossing the southern border were living quite safely and prosperously in third other countries like Chile. Uh, and they decided to come only because they saw the gates swing open and that they could do an upgrade. And you could argue the same thing for Venezuelans. They're living in 15, 20 different third countries, often very prosperously for many, many years, uh, and only now decided to cross the border because they saw the gates swing open. At least that's what they tell me, and I believe them. Yeah, and you talk about uh, it or imply it, the soft power, perhaps of Hollywood. What is, what is it that uh, gives them the idea that life will be better in the United States when uh, there's an image projected to all these other countries that life is fantastic in the U.S.? But as we know, as I said, life expectancy is falling. There's, uh, I don't know how many, uh, 40 million tonight who may, wouldn't be able to eat without the SNAP food stamp program. Right. It's all about, you know, it's comparative analysis and uh, immigrants, you know, are smart. I, I've, I've met uh, probably, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of immigrants who are very keenly aware of U.S. immigration policy far more than your average American. Uh, and, and they analyze our policies in a way that would tell them whether this is a good time to lay their money down, their smuggling money to get into the United States. They want to get into the United States because a lot of them have relatives that are living here who are sending back reports about their lifestyles. Uh, it is a fabled lifestyle, the United States lifestyle. There's, there's a, um, a kind of a sense of that there's, there's a limitless opportunity, whether you achieve, uh, 
you know, material success in the United States is an open question, but a lot of those immigrants want to have a chance to gamble it, uh, to, to, make, to make it rich, to strike it rich, just like the people that took the Klondike Trail back in the 1890s uh, in the United States, et cetera. Nobody knew that they were going to strike gold. And I think that there's, you know, it's understandable that they would want to do that. However, there's a legal way to do it. Uh, it may not be a great legal way to do it uh, because it takes time. It's not as quick as just illegally jumping somebody's borders, uh, but it is the legal way to do it. Todd Benzman, I'll stop you there. More from the Senior National Security Fellow of the U.S. Center for Immigration Studies after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the U.S. Center for Immigration Studies. Todd Benzman, the author of the new book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. You said there are legal ways in which people can come across uh, uh, the border for these people that have left countries sanctioned by the United States, uh, by policy. The United States has tried to destroy the economies of Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Chile a while back, Brazil, Ecuador. Uh, the United States is actively engaged in destroying those economies avowedly using sanctions. And then you said, well, you've met them in third countries. Well, Biden has just put in a policy yes. that in a third country you can't apply for asylum in the United States. What legal way is there for them to come to the United States? Well, I mean, you, you, you apply uh, uh, for an immigrant visa or you apply for, uh, for uh, I, I'm not talking about crossing the border. I'm talking about applying to become a resident of the United States. It takes time. It costs money. Uh, there's not a guarantee that, that you will be accepted. Uh, it does. It, it, it's a pain. I get it. But it's just not much different than if you were to apply to become a citizen of Germany or Australia or any other country, South Africa, wherever, Canada. Um, you can become a refugee. You can enter as a refugee, apply as a refugee, uh, go through vetting. There are lots of legal ways. You don't think there's, uh, there's uh, an don't inbuilt... Involve, don't involve penetrating the southern border. Yes. Isn't go. there an inbuilt prejudice against people... South of the Rio Grande, though? I mean, obviously, a Ukrainian can get, or an Irish person can uh, get that legal residency much quicker than uh, a person from a country originally that was actively uh, uh, in economic war with the United States, one-sided economic war caused by the United States. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, there are certain countries that would, that would have their entire populations empty out overnight and uh, enter the United States if there were no impediment whatsoever. Uh, certain countries, I, I don't think that the uh, that U.S. policymakers are worried about the entire population of uh, France crossing our southern border, but they are worried about the entire population of Haiti or Cuba entering through the southern border because they most certainly would if they could. And so I, I think that there is uh, some uh, kind of uh, pinpointed uh, application of the, even the legal visas for people from countries that are in really dire stress. You, you talk in the book about the appalling 
nature of U.S. policy as regards their ability to say, oh, we'll go into other countries, tackle the roots of the reasons for the immigration, and you show how catastrophic uh, that policy is. But you mentioned Haiti and Cuba, and I'd say that there are populations, uh, sizable proportions, that want to stay there. But clearly Haiti, uh, the Obama administration accused of a coup there, uh, to September 29, 1991, February 29, 2004, the Moise assassination, Jean-Bertrand Aristide escorted out by uh, Obama's goons. Uh, clearly, it's the other way around, isn't it? The U.S. is sanctioning Cuba, has an embargo on Cuba. It's interfered in Haiti, and this is the blowback. If the United States wants to carry on like it does around the world, it has to budget in to give legal immigration to all the refugees from the countries. Uh, who are being destabilized by U.S. policy. Just let them in if you're going to go to war with them. If you're going to bomb Iraq, say anyone in Iraq who wants to come to the U.S., you can come because clearly we're doing this to save the people of Iraq, not uh, uh, we, we only want to hurt the top people. Well, yeah, I mean, I hear that argument all the time that, you know, we did this to them and so therefore we, we owe their entire population illegal entry at the southern border. Um, I don't think that um, or legal I mean, you, or legal uh, for sure. But right now, it's you know those countries are, uh, are crossing illegally in very large numbers. Same with Venezuela. Uh, but you know, I don't think that as a practical matter uh, that you can. I mean, at some point, the lifeboat fills up anyway, and you have to, I think, be able to set uh, some kind of a limit. Those are policy debates that are worth having. Uh, do we need to uh, increase the cap on uh, refugees? Do we need to increase the cap on, uh, you know, guest workers? Do we need to increase the cap on this, that, or the other? There are way far too many categories to list here, but, but you know, have the debate. Uh, great, have the debate. I, I guess my position is just that that is irrelevant to illegal uh, migration over the southern border, which is what my book is about. So you think uh, that so you think they should legalize more because right now the estimates are the United States immediately as of today needs 1.6 million more healthcare workers 1.3 million in accommodation and food service uh, employment right now there's a huge labor shortage in the United States so 2.3 million people you need right now whereas in your book you're saying Oh, these millions are coming over. Well, why not just legalize that increased limit? Then you don't have to bother with all these expensive federal, expensive to the taxpayer services and problem solved. You've got masses of people who want to come in and you need people. You know, there's a deal to be made. That if you need labor, you do what Canada does and you seek out legal, uh, you, 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 you open up the legal avenues to immigrants around the world. Canada is bringing in four or 500,000 a year right now to meet their labor needs, their labor shortages. But again, those are things that the Canadian Parliament and the, uh, the Trudeau government agreed to do. Uh, and it's part of the Canadian political process that they did that. Uh, but the illegal immigration over the border is not the way to do that. No country does that anywhere. Maybe. How many do you want? Um, How many immigrants do you want? Because you're saying, you know, there are huge numbers that could come into the U U.S. How many do you want to come in? You have a lot of numbers in the book. 
How many more immigrants from Latin America and Central America do you want to come? That's not really my expertise, honestly. Uh, you know, but I, I would say that if if there's a if there's a labor market demand and industries are collapsing because they don't have uh, uh, workers, I haven't seen any industries collapsing yet. Uh, then you know, have the debate. Uh, somebody decide on what the number is. I think the United States is probably the most generous nation in the world for legal immigration, a million a year at least. Uh, we bring in, you know, many, many thousands of uh, refugees and uh, people who are coming in for a student uh, to, to attend our universities and to, uh, for, for exchange, visa exchange, you know, student scholars, scholarly exchanges and that sort of thing. I mean, the categories are vast. Uh, of the people that we do allow in legally. I think the United States is pretty generous. Um, but, you know, maybe one day when, uh, you know, uh, industries start to collapse for lack of workers, uh, then, you know, Congress needs to step in and decide to lift a cap or two somewhere. Yeah, those, uh, kind, of conversa those kind of conversations clearly being had in the Chinese Communist Party because they're facing a population uh, shrinkage catastrophe, arguably. You say in the book, others are arriving from adversarial nations into the United States as Iran, China, Russia, Venezuela, posing the threat of espionage or terrorism. What proportion from Iran, China, Russia, Venezuela coming into the US poses that threat of espionage and terrorism? Well, remember, you know, the problem with having an, uh, an open southern border where you have a mass migration that's kind of collapsed the system is that we really don't know who's entering. It's uh, the ultimate stranger danger, really. Uh, a lot of immigrants just before they cross throw their ID, uh, their passports in the dirt on the Mexican side, and then they come in and just say, my name is Mickey Mouse. We have no idea who huge numbers of these people are. We had about a 1.7 million gotaways just in the last 24, 28 months. Uh, gotaways are those that we never even got, had contact with. We just counted their footprints or caught them on video or something like that, but never caught them. Uh, but the issue there is, of course, that we've got people coming in from 160 countries other than Mexico and Central America. Really, the entire world has heard that you can get in over the southern border if you just cross it. And so the whole world is coming to take advantage of this really rare. Yeah, but do you think spies normally come in through legal routes because it's like an added problem? I mean, I just don't understand what how what the evidence is that there's a threat to the United States of immigration, illegal immigration of uh, Iranians and Russians into the United States to spy on the United States and commit terror. Right. Well, I mean, you're right. We we have seen a lot of Chinese spies rolled up who came in through the legal routes uh, on on student visas and uh, people who came in on on uh, scholarly exchange visas, cultural exchange visas, and that sort of thing. And we're catching them pretty often, actually. Uh, but uh, we also have had ten thousand Chinese nationals cross the southern border just since October, and I, I, I mean, I'm sure you would agree that you know why would you why would your es why would your espionage services not throw one or two in to cross that way 
I think it's... I don't know. It's a very I don't know. I mean, the Chinese government obviously said that those, those academies, which were legal, weren't full of spies. But, of course, now Ukrainian immigrants can legally get into the United States. I'm sure you've seen the pictures of neo-Nazis in Ukraine. What threat do they pose as they arrive in the United States? Uh, uh, we've seen some... I mean, you, you, well, for one thing, you know, again, the distinction between legal and illegal... Uh, if, if it's legal, there's at least a shot. It's not perfect, but there's at least a shot to do some kind of vetting uh, on them. When they cross the border and throw their ID in the dirt, you have no idea if you've got uh, the Ukrainian mafia coming in uh, or uh, criminals who have committed uh, rape or murder or whatever it is in their home country. But, you know, we can't really do a quick and easy uh, intelligence share with with the government if we don't know who they are. Uh, and so I think that's the problem is you just don't know what you're getting when you cross over the Southern, when, when you have all these people crossing over the Southern border. I mean, we've had probably about 200 people from Islamic majority countries cross the border who were on the FBI's terrorism watch list. Um, and thank God we caught those. But again, we've had 1.7 million uh, gotaways, and we don't know who we didn't catch. And when you have a border that's just, you know, wide open like this, where everybody and anybody who crosses pretty much gets a pass in, uh, you don't really know what their hearts or minds is. That's the problem with uh, illegal immigration. And just finally, what what is the solution to you? You think federal bureaucratic structures are capable of processing all of these legally and protecting that? border, I mean, the wall, you know, many people thought was, I, I, there was a perception when it came to Trump policy, which as you show in the book, reduced uh, illegal immigration. But in actual practical matters, people will come over the border. How, ca how can federal bureaucratic structures in the United States uh, organize all of this in the face of the threats you just said? Well, I, I write elaborately in the book about how, about the calculus uh, and about how U.S. policies actually work on the ground uh, and play in the calculus of immigrants who are deciding, should I stay or should I go? Uh, and, and really what the basic, it's not that complicated, and it is addressable bureaucratically. Uh, because how do I know this? Because I interview the immigrants, thousands of them, uh, who describe for me consistently across nationalities, time, and geography, about what it really is that they're that they're doing, that what it is that causes them to uh, pull the trigger, so to speak, and that is, if I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars on a smuggler uh, to bring me to the border so I could cross, I want to know to the highest that I have the highest degree probability possible that I'm going to get in and stay in to pay that money back and then multiples uh, profit by the multiples after that, uh, either through illegal work or it be, could be eventually becoming legal or whatever. But um, if I know that I'm going to be pushed back, uh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to pull the trigger. And during the Trump years, he had policies in place that really lowered the odds that you were going to get in and stay in. Uh, his policies meant that you were probably going to end up stuck in Mexico for years. And so they stayed home uh, or they stayed, they sheltered in place in places like Chile or Brazil or 
uh, all of the 15 countries surrounding Venezuela that, that now harbor Venezuelans. Uh, and it's really that simple. There are policies that cause you to have to stay in another country. So I'd say that a lot of it is about perception. I, uh, I should say AMLO would definitely say there's a Mexican dream, but Todd Benzman, thank you. Thank you. That's it for the show. The book Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History, is out now. Remember, we're bringing you new episodes every Saturday and Monday. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com, to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you soon.